Welcome to the Dental Code Advisor podcast, brought to you by Practice Booster. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Grobmeyer. Practice Booster is the dental industry's trusted source for dental coding, administration, medical dental cross-coding, and documentation resources. Practice Booster works hand-in-hand with the American Dental Association to provide dental practices and their teams with the most current information to maximize legitimate reimbursement and minimize risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and the information contained in this podcast has been researched as of the publishing date and is not to be considered legal advice or a guarantee of insurance reimbursement. Now join me and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dental Code Advisor podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Grobmeyer. Senior Advisor for Practice Booster and Chief Editor of Dr. Charles Blair's Dental Coding with Confidence Manual and the Insurance Solutions Newsletter. Today I have a very special guest in the studio, myself. That's to say I'm going to be taking this one solo as we discuss a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and we will be back to having other special guests from across the dental industry join me in future episodes. Today, we're going to discuss setting and reporting your full practice fees. Now, I work one-on-one with practices all over the nation daily and see firsthand the way that fees vary from location to location and by type of practice. I also see a lot of practices who are incorrectly submitting fees when dealing with dental insurance. So, we're going to discuss how to properly submit your fees on an insurance claim, why we suggest what we suggest, and how that might vary if you're in-network versus out-of-network versus fee-for-service. And we'll give you some resources to help evaluate the fees in your own practice. So as you might suspect, fees tend to be higher on the East Coast and the West Coast than in the Central United States. They also tend to be higher in urban areas compared to more rural settings. Now, at first, that may sound like you should up and move to New York or L.A., but those dental fees also generally track with cost of living in those areas as well. So you may have somebody living in a rural area who's making a lot less than they would if they were in an urban area, but the cost of housing and living in general are considerably lower, while some might consider the quality of life to be higher. Other people may love living in the city and all the conveniences that that provides while generally getting to make a higher salary on average. These are all matters of personal preference, but where you want to set your fees are in proper relation to your peers around you in your geographic area. You should also take into consideration the type of practice that you are and the type of patients that you want to see. If you're in a boutique-style practice and that works in the area that you're in, attracting a large number of patients who want and are willing to pay for that type of boutique service, It might be great for you to set your fees higher and not participate in insurance plans, but that's not going to work for everybody. A public health practice is going to have considerably lower fees and may accept a number of dental plans, including seeing Medicare and Medicaid patients. Most offices are going to fall somewhere in the middle, having enough insurance participation to stay busy, particularly if there were certain plans associated with large employers in the area, And with fees set somewhere above the level of fee schedule reimbursements, but not so high that you're running off your out-of-network or cash pay patients. 
this is sometimes a delicate balance to really know where those fees should be set. And you want to be strategic in where you set your fees, not just pulling them off some random fee schedule that you found on the internet. Fee rebalancing will, of course, be most impactful to fee-for-service practices and those that are out of network. These situations do not have the handcuffs, so to speak, of an in-network practice, since you can bill the patient for the whole or the balance after insurance with no worries. In-network will see fees a little more dictated based on fee schedules and the agreements that come with contracting with dental plans. That said, fee rebalancing is still a critical and helpful process, even for those practices that are completely insurance dependent. I want to take a moment and discuss what fees to submit to insurance and why. There's a lot of practices that submit their contracted rates back to the payers. They don't like to see all the write-offs. They feel like that's more straightforward. Well, I personally do not suggest that particular approach, and there's a few reasons why. First of all, you want your fees to be higher than what your contracted rates are. If insurers are seeing their own contracted rates being submitted as your full practice fee, they're going to never give you a fee increase. As a matter of fact, they may feel what the reimbursements are for you are already set too high. Secondly, I want you to see what your write-offs are. That is the only way that you can truly judge the cost of participation with a particular plan. You need to be able to look at what your write-offs are and decide whether it's worth staying in contract with that plan or is it time to exit. Don't just consider the reimbursements, however. Think about the difficulty of working with that particular plan and what percentage of your practice is built on patients who carry that insurance. It may be worth dropping. It may not. Dropping insurance is an entirely different conversation. We may devote a whole podcast to that in the future. There's a certain way to determine whether participation makes sense. There are right or wrong ways to go about dropping if you decide to do that. Just whatever you do, don't do it spur of the moment. Don't formally drop an insurance company until you've done a lot of the preemptive work that you need to do to make sure that you're keeping your patients because that insurance company, the moment you let them know that you're dropping their insurance, they're going to send out a nasty letter. They're going to they're going to paint a picture of what a terrible dentist you are and how you're no longer taking this insurance and how you should be shifting to a provider that is in-network. We all know you can still provide services to those patients, and they need to be told that, preferably one-on-one, face-to-face, to let them know that you can still see them as a patient, that you value them, that you, that you want to continue seeing them, and that you want to take care of them, you're still willing to file their insurance. It just may not be quite the reimbursements that they were having before. You're now going to be out of network instead of in network. So there's lots of conversations to be had. That takes six months to a year of setup to prevent large amounts of your patient base exiting if you drop an insurance. So be very cautious about what you say to the insurance company, even when you're negotiating, you're wanting to make sure that you're not formally dropping until you are ready and you've done the legwork and the prep work. But that's, like I said, this is a whole other conversation. I could spend 20 minutes just discussing dropping insurances. Let's get back to submitting your full practice fee. Probably the most important reason to submit your full practice fee has to do with coordination of benefits. If the patient has more than one insurance plan and you receive payments from more than one insurer, 
you get to keep up to whatever your submitted full practice fee was after adding up all those payments together. While one insurer is only going to take you part of that way based on their fee schedule, the addition of a second or third payer may take you all the way up to your full practice fee. And you're allowed to keep that amount. You're allowed to keep up to your full practice fee and it not be an overpayment. This is not considered an overpayment that you would have to return to insurance unless the sum of all the payments is greater than your full practice fee. And if that ever happens, likely you're going to be owing money back to whoever the last payer was, as they're going to be the ones responsible for the overpayment ultimately. If that ever happens, give them a call, tell them you believe that there's been an overpayment, and ask how they would like to handle it. They may ask you to mail them a check back for the difference, but more and more commonly, they're just going to deduct it from future payments from other patients. So you have to really pay attention to those EOBs as they're coming in. Make sure that you are assigning that insurance check correctly, including that deduction. That deduction needs to come off of the overage from this other payment and then the full amount for the patient's check that got some held back needs to be cleared out. We've got to put it on the right patient. It uh, needs to be assigned to the correct patient. All right, so now that you know to always submit your full practice fee on any dental claim, how do you know where your fees should be set in the first place? There are several different fee survey companies out there based on geographic area. The ADA offers one that's based on different portions of the country. But again, it doesn't focus on urban versus rural or even state to state. It's very regional. There are also fee survey companies like Fair Health or NDAS. But if you pull those up and compare them side by side, you're going to find large discrepancies all over the place between them. Uh, Henry Schein has really good fee data as well. If you work with them, they're going to give you a limited fee analysis. That said, all of these companies are taking data sets and manipulating them based upon certain multipliers to generate what they consider fair fee data for a zip code. Some of these are better than others. And while I'm biased, I believe what we do at Practice Booster is a step above all these other stock sets of fees that are based on setting you at one flat percentile from their manipulated data set. Strategically setting fees is not a one-size-fits-all process. We take a look at different sources of fee data, evaluate where your fees are currently set, take into account if you're a specialty practice or a boutique practice or a health department serving an underprivileged patient base. We then have proprietary methods of determining procedure by procedure where your fee should be set. Sometimes a fee may be better set much lower than what the fee schedule recommended if your intention is to make a particular procedure accessible to your clientele. Other times, your fees may be way lower than they should be, but certain procedures shouldn't have giant leaps and in fee increases. The procedures that are seen every few months by your patients, like profies and radiographs, should be slowly increased so there's not a shock value to it, while other procedures that are more one-offs could be increased all at once at a much higher rate. All that is built into the way that we do custom fee analysis for our clientele. There are really two ways that you can go about accessing our fee analysis services. The first is by using our standalone UCR fee analysis and rebalancing service, which gives you a report 
showing where we recommend fees to be set for your individual practice based on the results of our proprietary technology utilizing percentile and zip code for all your current fees and current procedure coding. So this service gives you fee rebalancing recommendations in an Excel format that makes it easy for you to upload to your practice management software. If some of your fees are considerably low, it may give you recommendations to do incremental increases to your fee schedules. It's also going to flag miscoding, places that you're using deleted codes, even a few potentially underutilized codes, but it's going to be limited to your current code usage, right, wrong, or otherwise. A step up from that service, from just getting the fees themselves, is our Revenue Enhancement Program. It's so much more than just getting some new fees you can plug into your practice management software. I will personally review your procedure coding and reporting and then do a one-on-one -on -one phone call lasting about two and a half to three hours with your team to coach you on proper CDT code usage, documentation, clinical notes, narratives, images, attachments, everything you need to know about maximizing the chances of getting your claims accepted and paid the first time it's submitted. Those three hours can now count for AGD PACE CE credits for your team as well. We just worked it out where we can offer those CE credits to all attendees. During this revenue enhancement call, I'll also teach you a lot of codes that you likely don't even know exist, but they're coding opportunities for your practice to increase revenue without seeing any extra patients or doing any extra procedures. I'll let you know the things you're doing right. I'm going to coach you on the things that could use some improvement. I'll teach you proper coding and documentation that you're underutilizing based on the report you send me. And I'll tell you about any deleted codes that you've been using and what the correct and updated code should be. There have been over 200 changes to the CDT code set since 2020. So if you've not updated your coding resources or had a consultation like this to review the way that you're coding and the code sets that you're using, then you're likely sending in some incorrect coding and deleted coding. That's going to end up with delays and denials, and that costs you money. Documentation is also key to getting claims paid, and I'm going to tell you the keywords you need to use, the attachments you need to send with particular codes, the things that need to be in a narrative to make sure that uh, submissions are successful in order to increase the odds of, of getting it paid the first time. Along with that revenue enhancement call, we also provide a customized fee analysis catered specifically to the needs and desires of your practice. I'll let you know the fees for not only the codes you're currently using, but also all those new codes that I suggest for you to incorporate into your practice. This program commonly finds $50,000 to $150,000 of additional profit for the practice without increasing how much work you're doing or how many patients you're seeing. In addition, you also get a one-year subscription to Practice Booster Online, including our online Practice Booster Code Advisor, which is a powerful search engine for dental coding and billing, along with resources like sample narratives and flowcharts and other tools. It also includes a one-year subscription of the Insurance Solutions newsletter and access to the searchable ISN archives, which is a bi-monthly publication with articles focused on particular coding or insurance topics. Also included is a copy of our Dental Administration with Confidence Manual, an approximately 350-page book that teaches almost everything an admin team member should know. 
And lastly, it includes one full year of follow-up support by phone call or email to answer all your team's questions on insurance coding and administration. That is an incredible package deal, and it's not an expensive undertaking. It well more than pays for itself. I encourage you to reach out to us to find out how we can help your practice maximize potential revenue through proper coding and documentation and by submitting strategically set practice fees. I'd love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Please email info at practicebooster.com for more information on these great programs, and I look forward to our next fantastic podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Practice Booster, an e-assist publishing company. To learn more, visit dentalcodeadvisor.com.